you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Going in raw is now a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing, highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. You can still listen to Going In Raw wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot. We think it's the best. Hey, Randall, Steve here. And Larson. Welcome back to Matt Chat. I drew some boo-boos on your screen there. I don't appreciate don't that. that. I don't appreciate that. Anyways, of course, Larson, this is Matt Chat, the Patreon-fueled show. We answer the questions and debate some hot takes. Some hot topics from our $20 and up patrons, the ones who send in the video questions, and we got a couple of text questions as well. People don't want to expose themselves, their fachas, their faces to the world via Matt Chat. So they sent us text questions, but we got a bunch of video. We got a bunch of new patron questions, man. We got a bunch of new faces today. We do. I love it. I love all the new activity, of course, on the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Larson. Uh, being able to submit your Matt Chat video question is just one of the many rewards you get, including uh, weekly live streams of all of our recap episodes of Going In Raw and uh, uh, the Friendo Care Package, which we're recording this over here. I'm, I, so if I hit this button, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. No, it doesn't. You can't display it. Can't do it. For anybody. Anyways, we got a pack show tonight. We got a lot we of questions do, to we answer. We do, we do, So we are going to kick it off with a new patron or a new video Matt Chat questionnaire. Matt Chatter. Matt Chatter. Oh, good. Matt Chatter. Minnesota Joe. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. Minnesota Joe here. I'm a new patron and first time Matt question asker. Uh, with Daniel Bryan coming back, it's really awesome. We're going to have a lot of amazing matches and feuds. Uh, I'm really excited. I, I've been really ha- I was really happy to hear he's cleared, but there is a small part of me that's just been wondering like what it would have been like if he never got cleared and went to New Japan. Like all those dream matches, how those would have turned out. And there's some we probably will never get to see now that he won't be over there. So my question is, do you think it would have been better if Daniel Bryan went to New Japan? Or if he stayed in WWE now. Just choose which side you want to debate. And uh, thank you. Too sweet and hearty handshake. Thank you, Minnesota Joe. Oh, man. The answer, I go first. Yeah, you go first. Look, man, it's WWE. There's all sorts of unfinished business. We did did a video just two weeks ago. No, one week ago. About Daniel Bryan WWE dream matches. And yes, although I would love to see Daniel Bryan and the current iteration of Cody Rhodes go at it. Lots of dream matches over there in Japan. I would much prefer to see him uh, spend a year or two in the WWE churning out more dream matches that uh, we won't have another look. AJ Styles is probably going to retire in WWE. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura. A lot of people in WWE right now are probably going to end their careers in WWE. And a lot of guys are sort of at their older primes. Um, You know, Finn Balor's 34 years old. AJ Styles is like 40 years old. Shinsuke's up there too. Um, I still want to see Samoa Joe versus Daniel Bryan in WWE. 
So there's all sorts of matches that we still need to see with Daniel Bryan. I would have been totally fine if the WWE hadn't cleared him and he went to New Japan. Like, there's a million dream matches over there. But I like the idea that we could have our cake and eat it too. Um, have him finish out his run in WWE maybe for another year or two. All these dream matches that are available. Moves over to New Japan and then does what he's going to do. No, New Japan's the right answer. Granted, there are a handful, and we talked about them um, uh, in our uh, Daniel Bryan's dream matches. Yeah, list. I said that uh, dream matches people he hasn't faced yet, but there's a lot of people on that list that he has faced in the past. Give me new, give me wrestlers he's never faced before. A lot of those wrestlers are where New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'm not going to do any research about this, but I'm just going to throw this out there. Daniel Bryan has never wrestled Kushida. He's a huge time splitter fan. Brilliant match. Give me. Daniel Bryan. What do you care about time splitters? I like Kushida. He's good. Yeah, I like Kushida too. What does that have to do with about? Oh, you're calling Kushida time splitter. That's his thing. He's the time splitter. Yeah, but that's also a reference to a video game series. Oh, I know. Yeah, okay. I thought you were I thought you were talking. I we don't work for Machinima anymore. I don't talk about video games unless it's a wrestling video game. <laughs> yeah. All right? Make you sure, done? Make sure you're not lying about your video game Are you credentials done? again. Uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Daniel Bryan. That would be a classic. Minoru Suzuki versus Daniel Bryan. Mm, mm, Okada, mm, mm, Omega. I don't want to see Suzuki. He'll mess him up. He'll no, mess he's him fine. Up. Suzuki's He'll safe. Um, uh, uh, Naito. I can go on and on. Like all the top of the card talent in New Japan in both the heavyweight and junior division against Daniel Bryan would be fantastic. Here's another thing. He's conscientious of the fact that he needs to protect himself in the ring more. Yeah, man. However. You don't need him. No, however. He doesn't need to be taking V-triggers. Well, I mean, if he's wrestling Kenny Omega, he has to take a V-trigger. In New Japan, he is free to wrestle probably more beyond the concussion issues how he wants to. He could, fo- you know, there's a, there's, a, there's a very specific WWE style. People have to adapt their own wrestling to a very specific WWE style. New Japan, you have to do that. Separate the concussion stuff. I'm not talking about that. Just in terms of pure wrestling, Daniel Bryan can wrestle however he wants to in New Japan. WWE, there's a few more restrictions on him. So if I want to see Brian Danielson in his purest form as technical wrestling machine, I will only be able to see that if he were to go to New Japan Pro Wrestling or maybe Ring of Honor. That's not really true. I would say the WWE's UK division. Pete Dunne, Tyler Bate, those type guys. you telling me that he wouldn't put on a five-star match with Pete Dunne? Are you kidding me? Of course yeah, he would. Of course yeah. he'd put on a five-star match with anybody. Well, yeah, probably a sack of potatoes as well. Yeah, man. Anyways. Maybe I, he should go to DDT Pro. Oh, that's it. You win. You win DDT Pro. That's the actual answer is DDT Pro. I want to see him racing go-karts. Yeah. Uh, fighting on, like, uh, rafts. Yeah, a barge. Barge. Like a three-foot by three-foot barge. Fireworks. Yeah. Uh, office buildings. Yeah. All that stuff. At the mall. At the mall. Perfect. Yes. I like it a lot. Yes. Next up, yes. we have a great friendo. Long-time friendo, A.O. Worm. Let's see what he has to ask today. What's going on, guys? So... My question for Matt Chat this week is, so I've noticed when it comes to WrestleMania, every every other promotion likes to have like their big year event during the weekend of WrestleMania. So my question is, do you guys think that's a good idea for other promotions to do is to try to compete with WrestleMania during their time? Like I know Supercard of Honor is during TakeOver. So do you guys think that's a good idea or should they not try to promote their events during the weekend of WrestleMania. Thanks, guys. Thank you, A.O. Worm. Oh, I go first. You go first. So should promotions run shows media weekend? (laughs) Uh, I understand why they do. I'm going to take a little... Gosh darn it, my phone fell in my pocket. 
Um, I'm going to take a little steam away from your argument because I know why they do it. The the eyes of the wrestling world, no, universe, are in whatever town is hosting WrestleMania, WrestleMania weekend. People come in from all <laughs> over the world, go to WrestleMania, and, and promotions put on shows in the host city uh, to get eyes in front of their product. I understand all that. Here's one problem with it, though. If you're one of these fans of visiting the host city Mania weekend, it's overwhelming. There's a lot of shows that you want to go to, and you have to pick and choose because you can't be darting all over the city trying to go to two shows at the same time. We did that. We tried to do that, and it was exhausting. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a difficult conundrum for a wrestling fan to be in when you want to be on one show over here, and there's another show across town that you also want to go to. So selfishly, having experienced it, no. No. Pick and choose your own time to run your top show. I don't think you actually believe this. So Hold you, on, I'm not done yet. I think we should have flipped the answers here. What, do you have a better argument against it? Um, Kind of, yeah. Well, wait, and you can give it after I'm done. Also, it, it's WrestleMania. You're hard-pressed to run a, a show that's going to top WrestleMania in terms of exposure. Um, uh, A.O. Worm mentions specifically Ring of Honor going head-to-head with NXT Saturday yeah. night. Um, it worked for them last year. I think they got the their largest crowd ever um, in Lakeland, Florida. Um, but that's because they have Kenny Omega, they have Cody Rhodes, they have Dalton Castle. It, it, it's, it's a very distinct alternative to the, the NXT WWE product. Same time, though, you could run that match or that card, for example, this year, Kenny Omega versus Cody Rhodes, anytime. Mm-hmm. And it's going to perform well. You could sell out basically any building you, you, you put the show in. Yeah. You can get all sorts of uh, high pay-per-view buy rates if you do it some other time. But now, you got to split your audience with uh, this takeover event happened the same day. You're about to throw up, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, I am. Um, and and so you're you're undercutting your potential pay per view buys. All right, here I'll, I'll I'll take over because we're kind of in the same boat. Number one, the first party argument. I know you're just BSing for the sake of the debate because that was the most fun, and I know you believe this. The most fun part of WrestleMania last year was darting to all those shows. That was a blast. That one day we did WCPW, then we had to run over and do the panel that with the Internet Darlings yeah, panel yeah. we were on, and then we went to go see a progress show. No, no, it was NXT. Progress show NXT, the, the pro- Yeah, progress show was the previous day. That was a blast. Absolutely the answer is yes, because of what you said. It's, it's a whole circus that's in town. The whole community's there. Everybody's there making money. We asked Joey Ryan how many shows yet going on this week, and he said nine. Holy cow, that's a lot of money. That is a lot so, of money. I think it's fantastic. My only bone of contention is, and he specifically pointed this out, and you pointed this out, Ring of Honor running one of their biggest shows against NXT. It's a terrible idea. If you look especially at who occupies NXT right now, some of their biggest players, Adam Cole, Bebe, the Undisputed Era, Redragon, they're there. You know, a lot of your Ring of Honor crowd is going to be torn and I'm just not sure that's great for the fans. I don't, I don't like the idea that now I have to think, okay, well, what do I watch live? What do I don't watch? What do I not watch live? Um, if I'm in town, I would love to catch both NXT and a Ring of Honor show. You should be able to do that. Ring of Honor, I'm sorry, they, could, they should sort of seed the Saturday night slot to take over. Yeah, they could take the Friday night slot because there's a choice between the Hall of Fame induction to Ring oh, of Honor. Oh, there's no choice. It's Ring no of choice. Honor. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no, no choice. There. 100%. 100%. Um, and so in that one specific case, I think Ring of Honor, for the sake of the fans, man, they should they should reschedule their show. And yes, they should be the ones to reschedule because TakeOver is kind of a bigger deal. Um, so yeah, I, it's, 
It, it is an absolute blast getting to see all those little shows. There's oh, so man. many shows. It's exhausting. What's exhausting is being is sitting 20 rows back for, at Mania. Mania was far more exhausting than anything else we did that week. We were only 13 rows back. 13 rows back. And I'm sorry, I, 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 I criticize you got the tickets and you did an excellent job getting the best tickets you could. Well, I mean, we could have spent more money and got better tickets. Um, oh, okay, yeah. We could have spent less money and been more comfortable. And in retrospect, if I went back, I would have done that. However, the mania experience is so... Do you remember me, not just at the show, but after the show? Yeah, you were a real pill to be around. I know. I was a mess. I admit that freely. Let me ask you this. How much did the quality of the actual show uh, affect that? Like, if we went to this year's show... Which the car just on paper is oh, better. Oh, it wouldn't have mattered. All it right. wouldn't have mattered. You would have been that miserable the main event was Styles yeah. versus Nakamura. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. I would have been. Because here's my thing. I could either try to watch like an epic, amazing match like this or go like this. And it doesn't matter because I'm going to have blink. Especially during Nakamura's entrance. That's going to be insane. Yeah, man. No. If I was up in the lower bowl, I, I would have had a blast. Yeah. It was just, hey, it's, it's live and learn. Lesson learned. It's live and learn. And... uh and but yeah no the 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 entire rest of Mania week was fantastic. Yeah, a little much. I love, you really think so? Do you actually no. believe that? No. You had a blast, yeah, right? It was a lot of fun. I I loved it. That was great. Uh, next up, we have a uh, another good uh, friendo, Jordan Carter. Uh, he wants to know. Oh, we'll run his question. Yeah, yeah I'm not going to say it for him. No, let him say his question. Jordan, take it away. Hey, friendos. So, quick question for you: If WrestleMania and Wrestle Kingdom were held on the same day at the same time. Which one would you watch first, and why? Thank you, Jordan. Oh, you go first. I go first. So, um, this, so yeah. let's let's take the example of NXT oh, versus a, Ring of Honor. This is a no-brainer. Raise the stakes. This is a no-brainer. It's WrestleMania. Okay, let's. So let's also take out of the the equation. Um. Okay. So here's the thing. If if this happened, if they ran at the same time, and we were sitting in a living room, what we would have to do. Two televisions. Two televisions. Yeah. We would have to do that, but yeah. we can't say that answer here. No. It's, it's WrestleMania. I mean, not just because we're business people um, who rely on you know the live streams and the super chat to bring in that sweet, sweet money. For what reason? To make going in Raw more. But better. But better. Uh, however, um, it, it's WrestleMania. It's the big event. It's, it's the big event every year. It's the show. It's the A show. We have to watch it for our business because the WrestleMania recap is going to do better than the Wrestle Kingdom recap. So we have to do that. Um, now, I'll say this. I will say this. I'll actually say this. If it was this year's build, then yeah, it's Mania. If it was WrestleMania 32's build, I would actually hesitate. I would be like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. Go ahead. With WrestleMania, look at its history. Uneven. Yeah, there's been some great WrestleMania. There's also been some real bad ones. Um, granted, I've only seen two and a half Wrestle Kingdoms, mm-hmm. but wow. Yeah. So far, I haven't been impressed with basically every single match. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Wrestle Kingdom always delivers, mm-hmm. based on the two and a half ones I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're always leaving Wrestle Kingdom, again, based on two and a half I've seen, uh, uh, talking about some fantastic match that you think will never be topped. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll you'll talk about uh, uh, specifically Okado Omega One um, that happened at Wrestle Kingdom Eleven just as last year. Omega and Jericho had a, a phenomenal match. Yeah, the, the junior heavyweight four way match was outstanding. Yeah, there's always things that happen at Wrestle Kingdom. 
the the history of consistency, recent history of consistency with Wrestle Kingdom is unmatched. WrestleMania can't touch that. You know what you're going to get with Wrestle Kingdom. Five hours of the best pro wrestling in the world. You don't have to deal with any crap musical performances, any, interrupt, any interruptions. You have to deal with title matches on the pre-show. You know why? Because all the, all the titles are defended on the main, main show. You get your, uh, your New Japan Rumble on the pre-show, wow, and then it's just, it's just awesome match after awesome match after awesome match. And if it was a, it was a choice between... I'm speaking purely as a wrestling fan, mm-hmm. not as a wrestling YouTuber. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice of watching five hours of awesome wrestling or seven hours of some really good wrestling, musical performances by artists I don't care about, um, and a bunch of other spectacle that doesn't add much to the wrestling product, I'll watch Wrestle Kingdom first, follow that up with the seven hours of WrestleMania. I'll spend half a day watching wrestling and do recap videos of both, and then I'll finally go to sleep. I don't think you would. Next up, we have a high-res hero who has a question about titles. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, guys. High-res hero here with another question for Matt Chat. Uh, I want you guys to power rank the top five titles in the world right now. That includes IWGP heavyweight title, IWGP uh, junior heavyweight title, tag titles, universal title, uh, world title, all that good stuff. Uh, Yeah, let me know your top five in the world. And... um, yeah, I really appreciate you guys. You guys keep doing awesome. Too sweet. And a hearty handshake. Thank you, High Res Hero. Thank you. Power Rank Top 5 Wrestling Titles. I go first. Right? Yeah. Here's what I got. I wrote my own. Okay. You can write your own, too. All right. Um, if, you're, if we're speaking prestige, then we're yeah. going to be talking lineage. And uh, the title with the most prestige, with the, the, the deepest lineage, is without a doubt of the titles that still exist. The WWE title. Because not only do you get the entire lineage of the WWE Championship, you get the entire lineage of the World Heavyweight Championship. You get all that in one belt. Um, and while it's not necessarily treated as top title in WWE now, it is the title with the most prestige. It is the title with the lineage. So therefore, I, I pick that number one. Number two, the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. What uh, Everything I said for WWE title applies to the IWGP title in Japan. It is the most prestigious uh, heavyweight championship in all of Japan. Therefore, it is number two on my list. Number three, the WWE Intercontinental title. For years, it was if you were the IC champion, that means you were next in line for a world title shot. Not so much now, but with uh, some pretty great runs, thanks to The Miz with the title, it's elevated the prestige of that belt significantly. Number four, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, I picked this over the Intercontinental title because it's an older title. Um, you had names like Jushin Liger carry this belt, like Prince Devitt. And uh, we see Will Ospreay today carry on the fantastic lineage of that title. Five, I wanted to include something from the independent ranks. So I chose the Ring of Honor World title. Okay. Um, past champions, Samoa Joe, CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Tyler Black. Today, Dalton Castle. Um, it's probably the most prestigious. Either this or the PWG title. The oh, most, it's ring of honor. Yeah. Uh, most prestigious uh, independent title in the United States. Those are my top five. All right, here we go. Here's the definitive list. Number one is... So I totally understand your point about lineage. However, in if we're talking today, today, what are the most important titles Today. 
Number one, WWE Universal. WWE considers it the top title. They have it on their top guy. Their top guy is about to main event, or their their wannabe top guy is probably going to main event, although I guess we've heard rumors that they, they, they may do Rousey. The Rousey fight is the main event. I don't know. Um, but it's it, number one is the Universal title. Its lineage is garbage. But um, Well, it's just short. Yeah, it's short. Garbage. Um, but WWE considers it top title. Therefore, it is top title. I would actually put number two, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, which leaves number three, the WWE Championship. I think at this point, even though I love AJ Styles, it almost feels like that is now the WWE's Intercontinental Championship. feels like their secondary title. Um, number four is the WWIC Championship, mainly for the work that The Miz has put behind it. The fact that three should-be main eventers are about to fight in a triple threat for it puts that at number four. And number five is the Ring of Honor Championship, World Championship. I think you're in a really, really great spot. You take a look at the people, as you've already said, who have held it before and look at what they've done across the board. Mm-hmm. Amazing stuff. Adam Cole, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Dalton Castle is going to be huge. Cody Rhodes is huge right now. Yeah. Lots of great stuff there. Adam Kyle Cole, O'Reilly. Baby. Did you mention Adam Cole, baby? Adam Cole, baby. Kyle O'Reilly. Yeah. Yeah. We're not too far off then. No, we're pretty close. Uh, next up, uh, from the creator of this t-shirt I'm wearing, Starve Inc. has a question. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, friendos. Brandon here from Starve Inc. Um, first Matt Chat question. So I was wondering if money is not an option, so no like, income flow or nothing, so don't worry about money in any situation. Steve, you get to take over WWE, but you can't have your top stars, your upper mid-card, and your top stars be those guys. You have to replace them with undercard guys. Um, Larson, you get New Japan. Same thing. So no Okada at the top, no Tanahashi at the top. No Suzuki at the top. You have to replace them with guys who aren't necessarily upper echelon guys. Um, and like your top three for each. Personally, for me, I'd pick New Japan and Hiromu Takahashi and Sonata would definitely be more pushed to the top. I don't know. What do you guys think? Too sweet. Thank you, Starve Inc. Thank you, Starve Inc. I will go first. All right. So WWE, their lower card. I would put. So I'm going to take the lower card and I'm going to book from like the Intercontinental and U.S. title up. All right. Uh, over on Raw, I would give the tag team championships to Titus Worldwide. I would give the Intercontinental Championship. I mean, I, I, okay, here we go. Erica, Erica is good. Your WWE Universal Champion would be a properly booked Bray Wyatt. Your Intercontinental Championship uh, would go to uh, the man who just deleted Bray Wyatt. It would go to Matt Hardy. Uh, Tag Team Champions would probably be Titus Worldwide. Um, Your Women's Champion in the low card would be, uh, on Raw, would be Sonya Deville. Okay. Um, Over on SmackDown... The uh, WWE champion right now would be okay. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna do this because the would you consider the the U.S. title scene right now all four of those guys upper mid carters? Mm-hmm. You would. So mm-hmm. anything below that, I guess mm-hmm. there isn't a whole lot below that. Yeah. I mean, we're looking at guys like Ty Dillinger, Aiden English. 
That's really tough on SmackDown. Hold on. SmackDown roster. Who can we mine? Um, let's see here. List of WWE personnel. I did so well on... on oh, 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 here we go. Okay. So the SmackDown tag champions, I'd make Chad Gable and Shelton X Benjamin. Um, oh, WWE champion would be Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin. And United States champion would be, I'm leaning towards Ty Dillinger. And never mind, I would make the tag champions Breezango. Oh, that's good. That's what I would do. And then on the women's division on SmackDown, I would make Carmella the women's champion. Yeah, that's what I would do. All right. Oh, man, I'd have Mike Kanellis up there looking at that United States championship, too. He's jacked. These All right. Days. He's jacked. That's fine. So here's what I got. I, 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 I'm I in charge of New Japan. Yeah, I'm excited about this. All their upper card wrestlers. They're big like eight now, right? Yeah. yeah. No Zack Sabre Jr. No Zack Sabre Jr. Ooh. No Omega. No Naito. No Okada. No Suzuki. No Suzuki. No Tanahashi. Okay. Uh, they have too many belts, man. They, they do. Belts, I'm not including all the belts. Because so like Goto, you can use Goto, right? He holds a title. He, he holds is, a title. And he's a former, uh, yeah, he's, he, he holds a title. So, no, he can't okay, be. Anybody who's wow. a title holder now, I don't include. Holy moly. Your junior division is decimated. I know. It's rough. I couldn't even find anybody. <laughs> right? This is like uh, like Gato books himself to be junior Ooh. champ. Oh, I'd like that. All right, that's what it is. U.S. title, Chase Owens. Oh, perfect. I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah. I like it. Uh, tag champs, best friends, Chucky e. oh. T and Trent. Oh, I love it. That's great. Uh, junior, oh, junior heavyweight champion. Sorry. Bushi. Oh, okay, okay. Could uh, go Dragon Lee too. Well, he's not full time in New Japan. Good point. Uh, my Intercontinental Title, Juice Robinson. All right, there you go. Not Dave Finley. No, no. Okay. And my World Champ. Oh, who wouldn't want this anyways? Tomohiro Ishii. Oh, I love it. Good job. Well done, both of us. Both of us. Good job. Good job, us. Good job. Us. All right. Next up on Matt Chat. What a great, by the way, Star Vink, great question. Check him out on Twitter at Star Vink. He made us some shirts. Um, this including this one. It's like a video game shot scene from like the 90s. Yeah, like a menu screen. Yeah. Mr. Dope with the best name we got here on Matt Chat. Mr. Dope. Let's see. He's got a question. Hey, friendos. It's Mr. Dope. I'm not really a big fan of um, Angela Dawkins. So for Montez Ford's sake. Would it be better for him to go solo when he goes to the main roster or somehow team up with Apollo Crews? Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dope. He doesn't like uh, uh, Angelo Dawkins. Angelo Dawkins. Why not? I like Angelo Dawkins. That's the thing where he does Yeah, this. he's got the curse of greatness thing still going for him. Remember that? That was his gimmick early on in NXT. Oh, I don't remember that. That's funny. You don't? Uh-huh. No, that used to be his thing. He, he, used to have, he still has it on one of his headbands. This is uh, COG, That's Curse of Greatness. Great. That's great. Uh, so anyways, you go first. Oh, I do? This one's tough. Okay. Because uh, Montez Ford has all the potential in the world to be a huge solo star. Massive solo star. Yeah. Um, and I like uh, his dynamic with Angelo Dawkins as Street Profits. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but given the two options, uh, uh, as far as I know, Montez has not been wrestling for that long. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it might benefit him when he goes to Maine. Should he be without Angelo Dawkins to hit for him to join short-term a tag team? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh, Mr. Dope suggested Apollo as his tag team partner. And I think that's great. 
Um, Apollo is one of the few wrestlers in WWE that can match Montez Ford's athleticism in the ring. And I think because of that, they could be creative and, and formulate all sorts of outstanding and crazy um, and incredibly athletic tag team combination moves. And I think if he comes up to Maine, teams up with Apollo, they start putting on incredible matches, they're going to get over. Add to that Montez's uh, incredible charisma, they're going to get over even more. They're going to be massive, huge, multiple tag time tag team champions. Then you get to the story of them breaking up. And then from there, you can launch Montez into a massive solo career. You're missing a massive opportunity here. I should have taken this part of well, the question. What did I miss? Massive opportunity. Are you kidding me? What? Are you kidding me? We could be looking at the biggest stable in the history of WWE. Think about it. Apollo Crews, Montez Ford, Ricochet. Because we know oh. that Apollo and Ricochet are like best friends. All right. And then the incoming... Moose, because he's best friends with them too. Are you kidding me? That would be the best stable I've ever seen in my entire yeah, that'd life. Be pretty good. They'd be the most entertaining because all they have to do is replicate their shenanigans from Twitter. I know. Oh my! Are you kidding me? It'd be hilarious. It would be good seeing Apollo making well, fun that of Moose. The question. For... It was just. I know, but Apollo leads to the next one and the next right, one. Sorry, then fine. That'd be good, man. You carry on with your thing since you seem to know everything here. All right. Here's my plan for Montez Ford as a solo act. Wouldn't necessarily be solo. He would have the lovely Bianca Belair oh. with him. But here's the thing. It wouldn't be like a, a, like a, a what's his name in NXT? Almas and Zelina Vegas situation where she kind of semi-wrestles a little bit. No, what we're looking at is more akin to a real-life couple version of the glorious Bobby Roode and Charlotte Flair, right. kind of thematically similar, both dominant in the ring, right. and a couple, a very charming couple outside the ring. Bianca Belair Instagrammed a picture of Montez Ford uh, sitting on a bed, and his socks had literally like 10 holes in them. And she was like, how does this even happen? They're hilarious and charming. I would like to see that as a solo act. I'd rather see that faction that I just yeah, came up with. faction. Them. Are you can moose and the and ricochet and Apollo and Montez Ford again? Yeah, that'd be great. You gotta get uh, Akira Tozawa in there too. Yeah, there you go. He's friends with uh, Ricochet and Apollo Crews. Perfect, awesome. Look at us go. Yes. Next up, the infor the going in the official going in raw enforcer. Yeah, Stevie B. Stevie B. Let's see what Stevie B has to say. Hey, friendos, it's your boy Stevie B here. Another Matt Chat question. First off, great seeing both of you guys this weekend in uh, the pyramid. Um, Glad I could get Larson's head up there on the TV. Uh, anyway, question my uh, this week was placement of the United States New Japan shows. This year, we have both early July and also this late March one. Where do you think, if they are going to do this every year, where do you think this show should be placed in their calendar? Should it be immediately after the New Japan Cup, where it only had like two days of build, or someplace else? Let me know your thoughts, guys. Too sweet, hearty handshake. Thank you, Stevie B. The enforcer, man. This dude put him on. Nobody's messing with us. No. If the enforcer's around. No. Anyways. Uh, you go first. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is easy. I'm going to say uh, pre-Wrestle Kingdom. It's their biggest event. So I'm going to say around like November or so. Um, schedule your U.S. show there. Um, I mean, Sakura Genesis is coming up this weekend. Oh. Last night, tonight, when is it? Sometime this weekend. Sometime this weekend. Um, and, you know, generating the, the 
the level of excitement for this past Strong Style Evolved for Secure Genesis, you know, kind of did. It was kind of a go-home show for it. Um, it was fine. It was good. It was great. We had a great time. But I do think that if you want to generate a level of interest, put go all, put your chips all in on a pre-Wrestle Kingdom slot. There is a massive gulf between King of Pro Wrestling and Wrestle Kingdom, I think, uh, making waves in the U.S. just to hammer home, hey, Wrestle Kingdom's coming up. That's when you put the show. That's when you run the show. Here's the problem with doing it right before Wrestle Kingdom. Nothing major is going to happen. They're going to, they're going to, between King and Pro Wrestling. Nothing major happened at this show. That's not true. We got some storyline developments in the Bullet Club situation. Right, exactly. But there was no major title change. And yeah, so you can, do, you can do a dramatic and that's, and that's, story beat leading like, into Wrestle that's Kingdom. That's why I feel like this, the, the Strong Style Evolved was a less impactful show, me personally, because there was nothing seriously on the line. Like there was a G1 special in USA last year when they crowned the first ever United States Championship. Now I understand you can't have a tournament to crown a new champion every time around. But that being said, G1 special in USA 1 set the precedent for when New Japan comes stateside. And that's early July. Um, there's a, it's following Dominion, and it's a good lead-up into the G1 climax. I think it's 28th this year. Start the tradition. Early July, you get a G1 special in USA. That's really what it is. You know the problem with it is, though? I just thought about this. Hmm. What's G1 known for? I mean, it's a grueling tournament. It's a grueling tournament. Yeah. Which means we're not going to have any grueling matches at a special prior to the tournament. Oh, that we definitely had grueling matches last year. We had an entire tournament in two days, crowned a new champion. Kenny Omega wrestled three times, know, and his but match against Ishii was incredibly grueling. It's not healthy. No, They shouldn't not. be doing that right before the G1. They shouldn't be doing that. But they did. Yeah, I know they did. And, and look what happened afterwards. Everybody came out hurting. Can't be doing that. Happened Bad idea. This year too. November. July. Thayer Thabata has a great Matt Chat question because of how quick it is. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, guys. So who do you think has the better cruiserweight slash junior heavyweight roster? New Japan or WWE? Thanks. Thank you, Thayer Thabata. Thank you, Thayer Thabata. I go first, and this is easy. This is so easy. It's New Japan. They have the best junior heavyweight division in the entire world. Let me read off some names here. You got Bushi. He doesn't even get any title uh, chance of titles, and he's great. Yeah, he's good. You get uh, Ticking Time Bomb, Hiromu Takahashi. One, one of the best. Spectacular. You get, at 50-something years old, the legend, Jushin Thunder Liger, still put on great matches. His match against Will Osprey is pretty good. Pretty good. The ace, Kushida. Top. Time level. splitter. Top still level. put on incredible matches. Yeah. Marty Skrull. Granted, he's become a bit of a comedy wrestler, but he's still wildly entertaining. He's very much a comedy wrestler. Um, you got Taguchi. Again, not really sniffing the, the junior title, but he's got legacy. He's still yeah, funny. Yeah. Um, you got uh, 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 Will Ospreay, current champion. One of the best wrestlers in the entire world. You got Sho and Yo. They're in the tag division. The, the, junior, the junior tag doesn't division. count. Doesn't count. What if there's if there's two hundred five live tag titles and whoever's in that division doesn't count towards your your argument? There is no two hundred five live but tag division. Be. But there is none. Oh my god! There is none. That's ridiculous. Okay, so here's the here's the thing. New Japan, you can stop. New Japan has two has the two best juniors in the world. Taking time bomb, Will Osprey. Will Osprey's best junior in the world. Abs bar none. Look at what W. Look at what look at what WWE you gotta has. Got to put Kushida in that conversation. Okay, Kushida's too. up there too. Okay, look at WWE has, and not even 
look, we know Leo Rush is going to 205 Live. I'd, put, I'd stack Leo Rush. In. It's actually kind of a bummer he's not in here because I want to see a ticking time bomb Leo Rush. Match. Oh, heck yes. Look at the depth that WWE has. It's so underrated. Leo Rush, Roderick Strong, Mustafa Ali, Cedric Alexander. Look at what Drew Gulak's been doing. That's six right there. Six outstanding names that I would love to put in there with their top guys in New Japan. Yeah. Right? So you got them off the top of my head. Tyler Bate wouldn't surprise me if ended up in the in the 205 Light Division. They're talking about putting this is a terrible idea, but putting Ricochet in the 205 Light Division. You make there was even amazing matches if they do. I really don't want to see that unless he can go up to the main roster. But I mean, come on, man. WWE the the level of depth, it's just they don't know they don't know what to how to present the their cruisers. Let me ask you this. That's some talent, right? What would there. you rather have? The top talents in New Japan go to 205 Live and compete there or the top talents from 205 Live go to New Japan and compete there? In terms of putting on stellar matches. Oh, in terms of putting on stellar matches. I don't know. They've been doing they've been letting them wrestle lately, so mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of presentation New Japan because I know they know how to present their division. Yes. Um, but uh in terms of putting on the best matches, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I don't know at this point right now. I'm not sure if there'd be that massive a different that big of a difference given how they're letting them wrestle. I really don't. Yeah, I don't know. You know. I mean, you know, I cringe whenever I see Ticking Time Bomb do one of those sunset power flip power uh sunset, sunset flip power bombs, flip yeah. power bombs. Or the or the re-ropes. I can't stand yeah. that stuff. So like the dangerous stuff the WWE won't let them do. I'm kind of not huge on anyone. I'm not necessarily talking about the dangerous stuff. I'm just talking about the pace of the matches and and Look, man, I've been the watching see of the, the the wrestling itself. I watched. I, I haven't seen two hundred five live yet this week, but I saw a lot of gifts. Oh, that main event sounds like it's pretty good. Yeah, they were doing some Buddy Murphy, another name. Mm-hmm. They're doing some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess my mind. Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metal League. I love two hundred five live, and, and some of the guys like Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metal League. I would love to see them in a, in a New Japan setting because I think they haven't been. Just because they, they haven't gotten the they exposure. They haven't been showcased as well. They haven't been showcased. Yeah. But if they continue down the path they're going, then it's just it's just a matter of getting the presentation down right. Where do yeah, they yeah. fit them? Where do I was going to say, I love, I love 205 Live. I've been a huge advocate for the show for, for, for a long time. But as you said, the presentation of the New Japan Juniors. Oh, for sure. Yeah, they make them excited. Consistently and yeah. historically better than yeah. what they've done with 205 Live. Oh, for absolutely. I have no... Yeah. And they're timing... If if they said, hey, you can only get two um, juniors in the entire world to put on a match, give me Osprey and give me Takahashi, mm-hmm. the the um, Aromu Takahashi, mm-hmm. easy. Mm-hmm. But I think WWE does have depth. They uh, do. Speaking of fast questions, this question literally made me laugh out loud. My son, Adam Mayhem. Let's see what he has to say. What is that from the University of Bienvenidos to another edition of Shit Check with the Champ Steven Lester? I got a question for you. Who's your favorite wrestler that you've seen wrestle live, and who's your favorite wrestler that you still haven't seen live? Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Adam Mayhem. Thank you for making that quick. Um. Uh, you? No, you. I go first. I yeah. Go, oh yeah, I go first. Okay. Um, favorite wrestler I've seen live has been Ricochet. I, I was lucky enough to see a match with him and Leo Rush that just was off the charts. Can't wait to see him live in NXT whenever we get that chance. Yeah, um, he watching him wrestle is just an absolute joy and delight. Have we seen Osprey live? Yeah, we just did. He fought. Oh yeah, we literally just, just did. did. That's right, Jushin yeah. Liger. Yeah, yeah, that was just out of my head. Wow, um, that's weird. That was a good match too. So that was cool. No, it was it was good. It was just really quick. Yeah, no. And it's against Jushin Liger, who he's old. 
I'd rather see something different. No, I understand that. But was Osprey last year? Was he at the? Uh, oh yeah, he was in a tag match. G one special. G one. Yeah, he was. I feel. Didn't we see him over Mania the weekend last year? One of those matches. So. Maybe not. Don't think so. I don't know. We've seen. We, we, we. I'll put it this way: We have been very lucky over the past twelve months, eighteen months, to have seen a lot of wrestlers um, perform live. Yes. Um, favorite wrestler I've never seen live: um, the Freebirds. I would have. I would love. My if I had a time traveling device, if I had Ronda Rousey's time traveling device, well, she claims she isn't capable of traveling through well, time that we know of. Um, I would use it to go back to some old WCCW at the height of the Von Erich Freebirds feud. Mm-hmm. I would love to see that just to get the vibe of all that in the building, the machismo dripping off of Michael Hayes. You want to grab the poster from behind you and, and put that on display. This man right here. Look at that. So you want to know what a real man looks like? It's this guy. Look at this area. It's all just energy right there. <laughs> Sexual energy. Look at how high his freaking pants are. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's great. Anyways, yeah. Uh, that Yeah, because I've, I've seen a lot of people live. Yes, we have been really fortunate to see a lot of the world's best wrestlers live. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be in WWE, in New, at New Japan shows, a couple times been to PWG, mm-hmm. the, the, the sundry... Independent shows we've been to both uh, Mania Weekend, just here locally. We've seen some good wrestling here locally as well. Um, but I think of all the matches I've seen live, perhaps the matches I enjoyed the most, and this is kind of a toss-up for me. Because we saw, uh, me, my favorite match I've seen live might be AJ versus John Cena. At oh, yeah, sure. 2016. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll give the nod to Kenny Omega because he's the wrestler who's, one of the wrestlers generally seen as one of the best in the world that we've actually managed to see quite a few times. Yeah. Live. Um, you know, I mentioned the three matches that G1 Special in USA. We saw him tag against, or with the Young Bucks at a PWG Bowl in Night 2. Mm-hmm. And then we just saw him um, partner with Kota Ibushi. It's joy to watch. Yes. Live. Absolute joy to watch. I, um, I could have said the Young Bucks as well. Yes. Man, they are, they are something absolutely special when you see him live. Mm-hmm. I might change my answer to Young Bucks. Well, you can. That's fine. But I'll, I'll go with Kenny Omega just because uh, he always puts his all in every match he does, mm-hmm. whether it be in front of 400 people at uh, the American Legion Hall in Reseda, California, mm-hmm. or in front of 5,300 people at the Walter Pyramid. Yeah. Regardless, uh, you know, he puts on a stellar match. That match against Ishii for the, and the finals for the G1 special for the U.S. title, that's still one of the most hard-hitting matches I've ever seen. Um, and hats off to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go with Kenny Omega from the favorite wrestler right now that I've seen live. Um, favorite wrestler that I've never seen live, my favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels. Mm-hmm. Never got a chance to see him live. I went to one Raw when he was uh, an active wrestler, and that yeah. was in early 1998. But that was a week after he hurt his back. Oh, wow. His, his casket match against Undertaker. So he didn't wrestle. Yeah. He just showed up at the Titan Tron and did a promo. Um, and I never, I, when, when he came back, I didn't really go to wrestling shows that right, time. Right, yeah. So he is the one wrestler I never got to see live. That I really wish I could have. Yeah, it trips me out when we were, we were at uh, Strong Style Evolved um, that we when we watched a uh, Kazarian wrestle, and I was saying to myself, the first time I saw that guy wrestle was literally in like 1997 or 1998. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We saw him like low, super local. Yeah. I forget if it was here in LA, but man, the future Frankie Kazarian. I, I'll never forget that. Like it's crazy to still. Still doing it. Still doing it and still doing it at like such a top level. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Next up, um, we have a great. Oh, this is Robert Shaw's personal fishing line tester. 
which is a great name. It's a fantastic name. And this is a great video. He like this, Look at the production value in this I know. video here. It's top notch. Let's take a look. Hey, friendos. I'm Robert Shaw's personal fishing line tester, and this is my first ever Matt Chat video submission, so thank you very much for taking my question. Uh, first off, uh, on this past Monday's Raw, uh, I made a sign showing support for both you guys and the guys over at Cultaholic. I think you all do a wonderful job and you deserve all the support that you can get. Um, so thank you first for everything that you guys do. Uh, but with that in mind, here's my question. With the Greatest Royal Rumble coming up pretty soon, I was curious who would you guys book as some of the entrants in an all YouTube uh, wrestling podcast Royal Rumble? And who would win? My money is on Larson because he's on the road to the Finn Balor bod. Too sweet and a hearty handshake. Thank you, Robert Shaw's personal fishing line tester. I get to go first. This is a great idea. The greatest YouTube battle royal. It's a terrible idea because it'd be a terrible battle royal. And though I appreciate they picked me to go over, mm -hmm. um, I have yet to achieve Finn Balor bod, so I can't put myself over. Okay. Instead, I'm going to put someone over that I know actually has experience in the wrestling ring. And that is Brian Zane. Mm. Um, he has wrestled before. He is still around the business. He is okay. a manager of the Classic Connection. Um, so I'm going to say Brian Zane goes over. Okay. All right. I like that. Um, I would probably be cool putting you over. I figure you and I, we could dominate. Because, let I me mean, look at who Cultaholic has. They've got uh, Pachiti. Who can't? Who is a broken man? Seems like it, I yeah. watched that entire Megabus video, Oof. and it's glorious. But that poor sap, he ain't winning nothing. He can't even win predictions. You got a dude literally named Jack the Jobber. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, King Ross. Maybe he has a chance. Maybe he has a chance. Um, then you got Brian Zane, but he's more of a he's more of a. And nowadays, he's the influence, the YouTube influencer. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure how much luck an influencer is going to have in a wrestling ring. I don't know either. He's doubling down on the YouTube gimmick. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, Grimm's out there, too. I figure he'll be like the guy that we all team up on and, and throw out first. Um, let's see here. Who, who am I leaving out? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't see any. Uh, I look at the YouTube wrestling landscape. I don't see it, especially if we got Stevie Bradley, the enforcer. It's going to come down to you and me, at which point I feel like Stevie Bradley would swerve both of us, throw us both out Yeah, where, while wearing your shirt. So there is an element of you winning. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like... In the end, he would go over. In the end, our enforcer, Stevie Bradley, would probably come out on top. Yeah. But then because he's our enforcer, he would give us the trophy to put in our office. All right. Fair enough. All right, fair All enough. Right. Also, thank you to Stevie Bradley for wearing the shirt you mentioned there. Oh, and thanks to Robert Shaw's personal fishing line tester for that great cultaholic yes. Stephen Larson shirt. Yes. It's, it's, it's extended the bromance between us and Ross on cultaholic because yeah. he keeps on putting us in WTF moments. I know. Um, so, yeah, I love that stuff. Uh, let's see here. Next up, we've got Patrick Sparks who's looking to bring the vibe down in his with his question. All right, Patrick, come on. Hey, friendos, Pat here. So, uh, got a debate, and it's controversial. But let's go back in time a little. Go to the Ring Boy scandal, which mainly involved Pat Patterson as a big part of it, I guess. And got on to Donahue, whatever. Big thing. Um, nothing ever came of it, except for a lot of controversy and whatnot. 
Pat Patterson was never charged with anything. But my debate for you is, would the WWE have been derailed almost entirely, completely, whatever, if those allegations had come to fruition and been true and charges been put against Pat Patterson and whoever else was alleged? Uh, So early in the WWE's legacy, do you think that that would have derailed them and killed the WWF with sexual conduct of that sort going on? What do you guys think? Thanks, Rando. Bye. All right, Patrick. Thanks for such a dark question. So you guys can do the research on this. In the early 90s, Pat Patterson and a couple others in the WWE were accused of some pretty nasty stuff. Um, you just look it up yourself. I'm not going to talk about it here. This is gross. Um, but anyway, the general question is this. If a sex scandal of that nature, really nasty thing, um, happened in the WWE right around the time of the steroids trial, would that have been enough to tip the WWE out of business? Um, we're not going to debate this. We're going to just talk about it a little bit. Um, my thing is this. If the, stero- if the steroids trial itself didn't do it because that was focused squarely on Vince McMahon, yeah, then no. Because here's the thing. If it wasn't focused on Vince then Vince could have just shoved it aside and just taken it out of the... If, if if those guys who resigned were actually charged with anything, if anybody in the company that isn't Vince was charged with anything, if Vince had plausible deniability of any sort, I really doubt it would have affected the long-term prospects of the company. But that is speculation far beyond... Like I, I, I really don't know anything about it beyond what I just read on the internet. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I mean, if, if, if the steroid trial in 94 mm-hmm. wasn't enough to topple WWF, as you said, because it implicated Vince directly. Vince directly, exactly. And something that didn't in, implicate him directly, I'd be hard-pressed to think would be enough to force the WWF to close its doors. But then again, you never know. Yeah, yeah, you don't know how those things will, like, you know, will happen, so... Um, next week, Patrick, maybe don't bring us something so dark. Maybe let the bees take over on your question. I'm joking. I love Patrick. Man, Patrick's been around forever. Yes. Freaking love Patrick. Anyways, uh, next up, we've got Baron the Cat Taxidermist. Hey. Hey. Hey, I have video question, and I've got cat. Let's take a look. Baron the Cat Taxidermist here with my future lamp, Poe. Say hi, Poe. I've got a question in regards to Storytelling versus great matches. What is more important in today's landscape of wrestling? Is it more important to have a match that Dave Meltzer will do a backflip for and assume that it was in Japan? Or is it more important to have good storytelling, good storytelling in regards to not just what happens in the ring, but the cutscenes, the promos, the backstage interactions, all of that good stuff? Let me know. Hearty handshake and a too sweet. Thanks, friendos. Thank you, Baron the Cat Taxidermist. Oh, man. He's going to make that cat into a limp. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed I quite a too. bit when he said that. Oh, man. Anyways. You got to go first. All right, so here's my thing. What's better? The match itself, is that's the thing. It's the match itself yeah. is the thing. Yeah, it is the thing. I think especially when you look out, <clears throat> on the independent circuit 
you look at PWG, um, not really Ring of Honor, but you look at like things like PWG, you look at Progress, you look at a bunch of different places that might, and I know a lot of these places do run storylines um, over the course of several shows. They have their players, but a lot of these places don't and can't really afford to have complex storylines because it's the independent scene. You never know when somebody's going to drop out or when you have to change a show and things shuffle around. And so I personally think it's better if you can put on a match where the storytelling is all in the ring. Um, and I mean, kind of look at the way they're kind of approaching 205 Live now, and it's one of our favorite shows. Um, they keep the storytelling to in the ring. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that the independent scene is blowing up so big these days because they can bring people in cold, having never experienced a product, sit them down and watch storytelling take place as the matches unfold. So I would say, um, I, I forget what the, the basis of the question was, uh, but if I had to choose between um, a match that was all contained and was a five-star Meltzer match that everybody's going to buzz about, I would take that over a match that just had really, really good build and the match is like whatever. All right. So it's your turn now. Yeah, I guess so, but I was going to say, well, storytelling, uh, <clears throat> Baron the Cat Taxidermist mentions, you know, the matches have build in terms of backstage segments, interviews, yada, yes. yada, yada. Pretty much everything you are going to mention, I was going to mention in the indies you don't get that um therefore you have to rely on in-ring storytelling specifically and you know as we talked on the previous episode whether you know what makes kenny omega's question last week what makes a great match great performer and i said storytelling that chatter kenny omega yeah last week. and yeah spots are great but if they're not generally speaking if they're not uh, uh anchored mm-hmm. to a compelling story mm-hmm. Then the match in the end won't be remembered beyond just the spots. Okay. Um, so I mean, my point about storytelling basically is going to be the same as yours. Okay. Um, if we're talking strictly independent ranks, then yeah, you, you need self-contained stories. I mean, we'll, I'll bring up Ricochet versus Leo Rush. Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm pretty sure that was Leo Rush's first match at PWG. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had no backstory as far as I know mm-hmm. going into that match. Yet they told a complete story in the ring over the course of about 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how and that's how it's done well in independent ranks. They didn't have the benefit of months of build and interviews and backstage segments and video packages. Um, and I actually think how New Japan does it is a pretty good balance between long term booking, the right amount of kind of recap packages, interviews sprinkled in as necessary. Those recap packages are strong, great. slightly evolved, great, so well done. But you know they use these various production elements to enhance the story that will ultimately be told in the ring. Yeah. Um, they don't go do the over-the-top stuff like WWE does where there's prolonged promos. You don't have some guy coming out and t- you know talking for 12 minutes to start a show. Yeah. You get interview segments backstage with Cody and Brandy mm-hmm. that are six minutes, and they're awesome Yeah, because it's just all character. Yeah. And in my mind, that's really the way to go. You don't have to go full-on, you know, like – athletic soap opera what WWE does give me how New Japan does it I think they just have a perfect balance between focusing on the in-ring product while using storylines to motivate the matches I like it I like it a lot we have a couple of text questions from some friendos so let's kick it off with Rhett Davis I'll read Rhett Davis's question who I assume talks like Mark Calloway 
Do you guys think that the current style of wrestling lacks storytelling compared to decades of past, as some wrestlers claim? Examples include lack of selling and two choreographed movements. I would like one of you to defend the possibly more believable style from the past and the other defend the current style of high-intensity impact wrestling. Well, not impact wrestling. Not to be confused with the TNA. Not the promotion. No, I'll go first, and this is stuff now. Um, I can appreciate people that that want to uh, uh, focus on the importance of an arm bar during the course of the match, but uh, whether it be circumstance or just the evolution of the art from professional wrestling, um, I think the common uh, conception of an arm bar is that it's a rest hold these days. Mm -hmm. And as such, it slows the match down. You can have storytelling that's compelling and dramatic and still have uh, a high-intensity style of wrestling. All the Okada Omega matches, incredibly fast-paced, never a dull moment, even the hour-long match. And it was all compelling storytelling. They sold. There was no lack of selling. Kenny Omega basically passed out towards the end of the match when Okada was trying to do a Rainmaker. He was selling the exhaustion that he was, that he was suffering because he put everything out there to try to beat Okada. That's storytelling. Um, I know Young Bucks have been criticized for just be- focusing on spots, but there were definitely the last couple of years, is far more focused on storytelling. Let's look at the match against Golden Lovers, a strong style oh, of all. Man, it was all yeah. about the personal yeah. dynamics between everybody in that ring. Yeah. That storytelling. I mean, the, the days when you want to tell the story of two guys and they're really beating them, beating each other up, I don't think that believable factor, believabil- believability factor is long gone. Everybody knows it's choreographed entertainment. treated as such. Uh, let the stories develop dramatically naturally based on what people are doing in the ring it can be doing 10 flips in a row or it can like zack saber jr just manipulating the human body in all sorts of painful manners uh i mean for one i, I don't i i've compared pro wrestling to just about any other art form there's various genres mm-hmm. they're all good in their own right they can all be appreciated for what they are i don't necessarily think one is better than the other Although I know some of the hardcore stuff's kind of too messed up for me these I'm days. I'm not huge on the hardcore not stuff, anymore. man. But if you're talking of a purely technical match, match for a purely technical match, sorry, versus a high flying match, versus something that's that's really intense and's got a lot of striking, there's things to appreciate about all those 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 styles of wrestling. Yeah, and look, the storytelling capabilities inherent in each. You're never going to get back to the past. You're, you, you, there, there is no Ronda Rousey time traveling device. You're never going to get back to the past where. <coughs> If it looked real, people might think it's real. You're not going to get back to that because everybody knows, as you said, it's choreographed or it's predetermined. Um, However, it is kind of sad to me that a little bit of the magic from the past has been lost now that everybody knows, now that it's, you know, fully out in the open and has been for 20 years now that wrestling is indeed fake, predetermined, whatever you want to call it. It is a performance. If you look back and you look back at some of the uh, performances, some of the matches from the late 70s, early 80s, especially down there in the South, where you have these true hoss wrestlers just beating the living crap out of each other. Bleeding um, everywhere. The, what are the, the last battle of Atlanta? Mm-hmm. Get on the network and look at that, and you'll see why a lot of the people might have thought that that stuff was real. Because, oh my God, it was bloody, it was slow, it was awkward, it looked like a real fight, and it was in a cage that looked deadly. And so I, I would love to have known what the, what the atmosphere was like being a fan who might have been thinking, man, these hosses are really going at it. These guys are really fighting. There is an element of magic that's lost because of 
um, the focus on, you know, I, I think that there is a place for every genre of wrestling. I love it all. I think it's great. I would, I love ricochet versus Osprey matches. Um, do they get cartoony? Of course, that's part of why I love them. But, um, there is a little bit of that magic lost when, you know, two people are putting on a performance rather than a fight. So I guess, yeah, that's my answer. All right. Be cool to go back and see some of those bastards duke it out. Yeah. You know, uh, next we got a question from dead riot. I'll take this one, Steve. Okay. Excuse me. More of a discussion than a debate this week. Sorry, it's from Dead Riot. Having rewatched your NWO sold out video and how cringe inducing the whole Miss NWO thing was, so Dead Riot asks, What is your cringiest moment in wrestling history? A moment so cringy that it made you wonder why you were a wrestling fan. Um, he mentions the Katie Vick uh, incident mm-hmm. and Billy and Chuck's wedding for himself. Yeah, uh, I'll go first. Um, the Vince McMahon, Trish Stratus stuff, well after the Attitude Era. Well into the ruthless aggression era, Vince was still doing this crap where he was just treating the women's wrestlers like dog crap, basically. Like having Trish Stratus bark and do crawl on her hands and knees. Any of that stuff, like when he was like romancing Candace Michelle. Oh, that was off-putting. And it was it's it was gross. It's gross. And it did, I remember it made me think, like, I don't want to watch this right now. I do not want to be watching this stuff. Um, so that stuff I always felt like was really, really gross. Um, I mean, look, I, I, I like, uh, there's just no there's no place for that stuff. No, there's there's, there's a zero place for that stuff. Like, bra and panty match stuff. It was never, there was never, like, stories behind it. It was just, it was just bad. Yeah. Like there's a time and place for brawn panty type stuff, and that's not it. It's not mm-hmm. in my wrestling. Mm-hmm. I don't want it in my wrestling. No. Like I was even even back then, I was all jazzed when like Lita and Trish got their I main know. event spot on Raw. It was I like, know. that's cool. Why don't you do more than that? And then no, well we'll do more Candice Michelle Kelly Kelly kind of crap. I don't want to see that. You know, there's a time and place for that kind of stuff. It's not in my wrestling. Yeah, leave it out of my wrestling. Anyways, your turn. Pretty much everything Vince Russo did in WCW. Yeah, yeah, that's a great answer. Well, not pretty much everything, but a lot of things. Like uh, everything on camera, he did. Well, him personally, yes, but I mean also some yeah. of his booking decisions. He made David Arquette champ. Yeah, he made himself champ. Yeah, um, and you know he did some good things. He elevated Scott Steiner, Booker T, the main event. Great. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent on board with that. But pretty much everything else he did was also a huge Jeff Jarrett guy. Yeah, yeah, that too. It was just yeah. I think so. For me. Look, you can be you can be a bad booker. You can have like you know, hey, let's do brawn panty stuff. But the most egregious for me was watching that dude on camera. Like, I I couldn't do. I don't care about you. I don't care anything you're saying right now. Nope. You're just kind of a, you look gross. Yeah, <laughs> like visually, you're not appealing, and what's coming out of your mouth is hurting my ears. Yeah, stop it. Please, yes. And I, can I get Booker T versus Sting or something, please? Yeah, that's can what I really want to see. I, do I don't want to see you talking for 12 minutes about, you know, a variety of things that in the end is not going to appeal to me as a wrestling fan. Right, exactly. Give, it was, me, give me quality matches in the ring and, and some basic storylines to motivate him. That's all I ask for. Yeah, him being on camera is a true, even, even, even more so than Arquette winning the title. Vince Russo being on camera in WCW was the low point for mm-hmm. that company. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say that. Uh, next up, Alpha X. What's up, Steven Larson? Hi. 
My question is, who do you think has a better chance of becoming a world champion first, Jason Jordan or Big Cass? He says, sure, Jordan has had somewhat of a head start on a solo run, but who knows how hard WWE will push Cass when he returns to action. Thanks, guys. Too sweet. I'll go first. I okay. get the easy choice. It's Jason Jordan, man. Jason Jordan is far away the better wrestler. That's true. Um, uh, granted, Cass has shown some charisma and before he turned heel, some mic skills. Yeah. But I think the character work Jason Jordan was doing before he got hurt, um, he was really hitting his stride, being this obnoxious, annoying kind of heel character. I think he it was going to go somewhere. He He has all the talent in the world, I think. He's good on the mic. He's comfortable on the mic. He's got some charisma, and he's awesome in the ring. Um, and I think that gives him a huge head start over Cass, who's just tall. Um, he's got some charisma. <laughs> who's just tall? I mean, that's, that's rude. Like, he is tall. He's got some charisma, but his wrestling skill is nowhere near to the level of Jason Jordan. How old is Big Cass? I don't know. Like, late 20s? Like, early 30s? Well, let's say he's 30. Yeah. Why does, he, why does he wrestle like Kevin Nash in his 50s? <laughs> All right, here's the deal. It's big cast. This is why. I hate to say this, but Jason Jordan, when he comes back, is already going to be. Now, he said he, he has a head start, and I disagree. I think Jason Jordan is starting off in a hole. I hate to say it, man, but like Raw has been better since Jason Jordan's been gone because they were. he, he was doing good work with what he was given. And I did appreciate the elements of his character that made him obnoxious heel guy. But he was, his presence was sinking Seth Rollins. And you look at Rollins now versus where he was with Jason Jordan, and I'm much happier with the product now. Um, I think you're right. Jason Jordan has is a f- far superior wrestler. But there's two things. Number one, Cass will have a seriously clean slate. I don't think there's going to be remnants of the Enzo thing with Big Cass. I, I just don't. They had already split them up, and that's fortuitous for Big Cass when he comes back. Vince loves big men and he loves them kind of more than guys who can really wrestle. I mean, look at, I mean, look, Roman is a fine wrestler. He can put on really, really good matches. Jason Jordan can put on great matches, but look at where Roman Reigns is. He's about to main event again, WrestleMania and win the universal championship. Big Cass is a large man. He's a good looking dude. He's young. Um, He does have charisma he will need to work on his mic skills, but we've seen flashes of them wanting to push him, and I think they will probably try to pull the trigger on him harder than they ever will with Jason Jordan. So I just think from the perspective of, regardless of who you think is deserving um, because of their abilities, I think Big Cass has probably a better chance at being... Big Cass just looks like a, like a Vince McMahon main eventer, and Jason Jordan... I'm not sure that he's that I can, I can see that. I think that he might be a consummate upper mid card guy at best. Um, so my opinion is a big cast. All right. Well, you mean, I just want an argument. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's it. That's wow. it. What a great, what a great Matt chat today. Yeah. A slew of gra- spirited, spirited Matt chatters and spirited Matt chat debates. Uh huh. We had everything under the sun today. Yeah, I guess so. What a fantastic episode. Yeah, quality stuff. (laughs) Anyways, that's it for Matt Chat. Until next time, we'll talk to you guys later. Stop. Stop messing with that. Oh, my goodness. Bye, everybody. So close to it. I'm so close. So irritating. Good. 
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.